Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for this opportunity of coming to this place to worship you. We would ask that you would just enable us this morning, God, to, uh, as we sung the songs, not just be singing words, but actually be singing them to you, God. Uh, you're the focus of our worship. And as we come here to this place, God, also today as we share together in uh, casting some vision for what, what you told us, God, the scripture is one of the things that we're to be doing, that you'll help us not only to uh, understand some things, but also apply them to our lives as well, God. Did you all give us a purpose? And our purpose here at Great Oaks is to help people take their next step towards you. And that means not only here, but regionally and around the world. And God, how we can do that, not because we have so, we're so gifted or talented in any way, but simply because, God, we humble ourselves before you and allow you to work through us and in us uh, to reach people and do things beyond our wildest imaginations. So God is now this morning, God, in this time together, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Good to see you this morning. Um, for those of you who are new, I'm Bill White, lead pastor here at Great Oaks, and uh, uh, this morning I have two chairs, you see, I'm going like, two chairs, okay, must be something up. Yeah, there is. Uh, we're going to take a break from our series this summer. Uh, those of you who've been here um, this summer so far, we've been studying the passage in Galatians that deals with what we call the fruit of the Spirit, and we've been going through, there's nine of those. And we're in, we're, we, number six last week, so we got three left. And so we'll, we'll come back to those next week. This week, I wanted to take a break from that and actually uh, talk about and cast some vision for what God is doing, not only here, but uh, regionally and, and uh, how he's beginning to work in some ways that uh, expanding his kingdom. Uh, one of the things that over the years, and I've been talking about several times with you guys, is uh, if you've been here, is uh, the whole thing of planting churches. A matter of fact, you know, Great Oaks was a church plant. Every church is a church plant, <laughs> you know. How do you get a church started? You plant a new church. That's what it is. Some churches are older. Some churches are newer. Great Oaks was planted in 1997, so it's about 18 years old, if my math is correct. Of course, it could be wrong, but uh, it's, it's about 18 years old. I came here 13 years ago uh, when the church, we were still meeting over in the school, you know. It was uh, over here in the little, uh, in, in the elementary, the Brown School up here, you know. And then the next year we moved to the middle school, and then nine years ago we moved into this facility uh, and along the way. But uh, the early years, I call them the pioneer years, uh, in the early years when I first, how many of you were here when I first came here? How many of you here? Okay, about the last, yeah, it was about 10 of you. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, uh, really, if you look around, that's about it. There was about 10, because we were only about 100 people back then, uh, a little over 100 people back then. I'm meeting in the school, and this is summer, of course, and a lot of, you, a lot of people are gone, but still, uh, good to see all you guys have been around. You hung around that long. Man, you guys are troopers, all I can say, uh, going through all this. But uh, if you remember the early years at the Great Oaks, we were a church plant, and the reason we got here is because a number of people in this community, and also a number of people from Grace Church in Morton, which is our mother church, I guess you'd call it, uh, was, uh, had the vision to plant other churches. That it wasn't just about Grace Church in Morton, but they also were instrumental in planting Northwoods Church, and they also were instrumental in planting Great Oaks and some other churches in the region, region as well, and expanded their, their in a sense, their, their reach in many ways. And one of the things I've always believed is that God has something more for us than just planting one church here. Even though it's been a, I guess you call it successful, we've grown, uh, we're much bigger than 100 people than we were 13 years ago. Uh, this is not all there is. And that God, the best way to do that, and we see it not only uh, in reality but in Scripture, is that God wants us to plant churches. And different churches uh, reach people in different ways. I've been convinced of that. And so as I think about the future, not only the future, but 
the time right near where we are now, I've been exploring this thing for a good while. And so a couple of years ago, I was exploring this with other churches in our area, talking about how we can together plant churches, other churches and reaching people that we're not reaching. Um, I came across, um, this was last year, a group uh, called Converge. And Converge is actually a denomination uh, that used to be called something else. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got, I forgot, 1,500 churches, 1,200 churches across the United States. So it's a fairly large group, but they act, what would intrigue me is that locally there was a church that was been planted, a uh, church here that actually is meeting right now at the Peoria Civic Center, planted about 18, 20 months ago, something like that, called Ignite Church. It's meeting there. And then from day one, they actually had a person on staff who was a church planter from day one. He wasn't the lead pastor, he was the church planter. And so I began to uh, focus and ask this question, how can we uh, learn from these guys who are already doing this, and how can we partner with them? So I actually met myself and a couple other pastors, met with them, uh, with uh, Russ Shire, their Sh- Shirer? Shearer, okay, I never pronounced his name right. Russ Shearer, uh, lead pastor there, uh, back a uh, couple months ago. And also met a young man this morning that we're gonna, I'm going to interview and spend some time with, Paul, Paul Seidel and his wife, Stephanie is here with us, and her kids are back in, in, in kids' town. I hope we're having a good time this morning. And uh, I guess they, they must have been having a good time. They're staying back twice this morning back there, so they get the whole, the whole thing. But uh, I want to talk this morning and take this time to talk about why we as a church, one of the things that we're here for is not just about us. It's about reaching people regionally and internationally as well. Uh, and planting churches. We, we've talked about before, we're, we're helping plant churches in Mali, uh, in, in a place that there's no people, it's a people group called the Alanka. Uh, we've been sending resources there. I've been there on site, uh, and we have missionaries there that are helping doing that. Uh, we're, we're in the process of trying to plant churches in, in the Basque country of, of Spain as well. We've had a relationship with a number of Basque students, some of them are in town still, uh, through, uh, through that as well uh, over the last several years. And so we have all those things going on, but we're asking ourselves the question, here locally, here locally, why plant churches and can we do that and how can we successfully do it? So this morning, Paul, come on up and I want to uh, introduce to you Paul Seidel. And uh, yeah, you can clap for him. Nobody did that last service. No, no. They're, they're much that's, friendlier this service than yeah, last that's great. service. Okay. I don't know what Nate's talking about. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Paul, let me, first of all, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you kind of where you started and where you, how you ended up here in yeah. the area. Sure, yeah, yeah, so let me start there. So again, my name is Paul Seidel. I'm the, um, I should, I didn't say this first service, but I'm the campus pastor for Ignite Church Sunnyland. is a brand new uh, church plant that we're starting in the Sunnyland area. A little bit about my story. I grew up in uh, southeastern Wisconsin, um, uh, kind of grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, I, was, I mentioned in the first service, during, before the first service, there was kind of a gathering of the worship folks, and they were talking about, some of your students are off of camp, right? And they were talking about camp stories, Christian camp stories, and I didn't have that experience growing up, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It was like foreign language to me as they were talking. Um, grew up in a kind of, you know, um, it was a Catholic family, kind of went to church every once in a while, but faith was never really a big part of my life. Uh, went away to college, and I did well my freshman year, good experience. Uh, girl broke my heart after my freshman year, kind of made me in a big depression kind of thing, sat on my couch, watched MTV all summer long, and uh, went back to school kind of depressed and searching for something different. Uh, lo and behold, there was another girl that I thought, hey, that, she's kind of cool, because there's always a girl involved somewhere. And um, so I, I was pursuing her a little bit, and she said, well, why don't you come to church with me? Uh, my roommate's playing in this band on this church, and so I went. 
And um, it was nothing that I'd have experienced before. It was like a full rock band in front of church, and people were excited to be there and smile on people's faces, and uh, people were just loving Jesus. And I was like, wow, this is, this is different. This is kind of cool. So I kept going back week after week after week, and um, the pastor, his name was Steve Treichler. And Steve just kind of took me under his wing, and we'd go out for coffee every single week. And I had a million questions about faith and about Jesus, and he would just was slow with me. And, and over a few months, uh, things started making sense. And then in April of 1997, I gave my life to Christ. And so that was my kind of story and how I, how I came to Jesus. Uh, shortly after that, because um, Steve is good like this, so I, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus for about five minutes, and so he said, hey, why don't you help me lead a Bible study, and we're going to put you into ministry right away, and I'm like, I, okay, fine. Um, and so we started getting involved in some ministry kind of experiences, which were great. Um, at one point, Steve kind of mentioned to me, um, you know, I really think you should go into ministry, like full-time vocational ministry, uh, doing that full-time, and, and I was like, no way. I have n- no part of that whatsoever. Uh, so I took a job in St. Louis. Um, I, I didn't say this first service. I was a, a, uh, Steve called me a dorm mommy. I took care of residence hall students. Um, and so I did that at a, at a university in St. Louis. While I moved there, um, I moved on a Monday. And on a Thursday, I was meeting with a group of people uh, that were part of a launch team. A launch team is basically a group of people that gather together to start a brand new church. And so I moved on a Monday, and Thursday I was meeting with a group of people that were about starting a church in the St. Louis area. Uh, that church later became Rooftop Community Church, and uh, it's where I met my wife. We got She was on the worship team, and um, just a beautiful voice, and I was just head over heels, and so we met, um, fell in love, got married, had kids, all that kind of good stuff. Um, shortly after, it's falling off again, sorry. Uh, shortly after uh, Rooftop started, though, there was, there was a Sunday morning where I don't hear the audible voice of God often, but, and it wasn't this experience either, but it was, it was very much a, a strong sense of that, that God was speaking, and what he said was, I want you to do this. And so at the time, I interpreted that as, oh, go into full-time ministry. What Steve had said you should do, God was now saying, okay, go do that. So I did some seminary experience up in St. Paul, um, and uh, after getting done with seminary then, I took a job as an associate pastor of a small church in central Wisconsin called Faith Fellowship uh, back in a a small town called Marshfield. And so that's a little bit about my journey and and how I came to Christ, and then, um, and I'll share a little bit more about how I actually got here to Peoria and church planning, but, but that's a little bit about my story and my journey a little bit. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, so you kind of went through the journey of, of being on church staff, becoming a Christian first, mm-hmm. coming on the church staff, usually yeah. that order. Th- that's, that's a good uh, order, that yeah. works best that <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, and then uh, and then to doing that. Now, how in the world, how in the world did you get, how did you become a church planter, actually? I mean, how does that work? I mean, going from stir- staff, because church planter is a little different than being uh, on a staff of an established church. Yeah. So how does that, how did that happen? Yeah. So church planning has always been a little bit part of my DNA. Um, the church hope that I came to Christ at was a brand new church plan, actually. They were only two months old when I started coming. Uh, I found out a few years ago that I was the first person to come to Christ at that church, uh, which um, uh, is kind of a, a neat moment for Steve the, that I'm here doing what I'm doing right now. Um, and, and so came to Christ there. Um, or, or, sorry, so that was a church plant. Uh, the church in St. Louis was obviously a church plant. And the crazy thing is the, the church that we were in in Wisconsin was a 50-year-old church, but they were meeting in a very small building. They were starting to grow it. And so they started going to um, 
uh, basically meeting in a school. And, and so I have this weird thing where I like doing portable church, like set up and tear down every single week. Like that's normal for me. And, and so like this is just weird, like being in a building, just bizarre. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so, you know, being in a, in a portable kind of situation is normal. So I'm like, why wouldn't we plant churches? But that's not really, you know, not just because I'm a glutton for punishment and like set up and tear down. That's not why I plant churches. Steve, uh, my mentor, used to say something at Hope, which has really stuck with me. What he used to say, we want to be about going into the kingdom of darkness and trashing the joint. And what, what that means is basically, you know, the kingdom of darkness is anywhere where evil exists, anywhere apart from Christ. And so trashing the joint is basically just going in and making a mockery of it, right? Just, just destroying it. You think of a bar fight, you know, like it's just, it's just everything is destroyed. And, and that's really what we want to be about is going into the kingdom of darkness and trashing the joint. And and we, as we look in our world, we, we know that the kingdom of darkness is alive and well. We, we see it just watching the news, right? Like just this last weekend, you know, a, a shooting in, a, in Louisiana or uh, overseas where Christians are being beheaded or drowned in tanks, you know, things of that nature. See children abducted from their homes and sold for bad purposes, all that kind of stuff. We know that the kingdom of darkness is alive and well. We don't just see it on the news, but we also see it in our lives. We see it in our neighborhoods. We see it when there's abuse happening next door. We see it when people are struggling with addictions of all, all kinds, right? We see it when, um, you know, there's just turmoil. We see it when, you know, people aren't able to put food on the table. There's just, there's darkness everywhere. And so uh, Stephanie and I were sitting at this church. Uh, I was an associate pastor up in Wisconsin, and it was a great, it was a great church. It was amazing, actually. Um, a wonderful body of believers to be a part of, wonderful community. Uh, we loved it. Um, but, but we started asking, God, are we doing enough? Are we doing enough? And um, so Russ Shear, who, who Bill mentioned, uh, was a seminary classmate of mine. And he knew that I had church planning in my DNA a little bit. And so he kind of said one day, hey, Paul, I heard about this opportunity in Peoria. See, he had planted a church in Algoma, Wisconsin, which is, if here's Wisconsin, right? Algoma is like right in the peninsula. And a uh, small little town. He planted a church there about 15, 16 years ago. And he started wrestling with, God, is there more as well? Is there something more you want for my life? And and so he heard about an opportunity here in Peoria to be not just plant one church, to plant lots of churches. Uh, crazy thing here in Peoria. So um, right now in the state of Illinois, about 19% of the population is in a church on a Sunday morning. About 19%. And we're losing about a half a percent a year. So every year we goes by, less and less people are in the church on a Sunday morning. And if you look at the stats as well, uh, David Olson uh, wrote a book called The American uh, Church Research Project, uh, did a lot of stats, and he found out that, um, that that was true. One of the other things he found some research is in the metro, Peoria metropolitan area, there's about 250,000 people who are far from Christ. 250,000 people who are far from Christ. And here's the thing. If the average church size is 200 people, we could plant 1,200 churches in Peoria and still not reach everybody. Plant 1,200 churches. And so... Uh, Russ started thinking about what if we went and planted not just one church, but lots of churches. And so Russ called me one day and said, Paul, I want to move to Peoria. I want you to come with me. I want you to do a residency. We're going to plant pregnant is the phrase that we use, right? So we planted the main campus downtown. I was a resident, so learning what it looked like to plant a church with the purpose of planting a second church. Now, here's the crazy thing about that. Ignite Church downtown is not that big. It's about 110 people only about 18 months old, 20 months old, something like that. And we're already now starting to plant out and start another church because it's worth it because we want to reach those 250,000 people. And so um, that's a little bit 
about how we got here. Um, but let me just say, um, let me back up a little bit and say, so Russ asked us if we would come with us, right? And we were praying about that process and, and seeing, God, what is that what you want for us? Do you want us to leave this nice church that we were part of where ministry was amazing and awesome and, and you know, you're kind of loved and adored kind of thing? And, and there was a, my, my wife likes to put Bible verses up on the shower. Uh, she laminates them, puts them up in the shower. And uh, there was one Bible verse she'd put up there, and I had read it maybe 100, 150 times. But there was just this one week where it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's in um, Acts, book of Acts, chapter 26. And specifically in Acts chapter 26, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is giving his defense before Agrippa. Uh, he's on trial for his life, basically. And he's standing before Agrippa, and he's reiterating to Agrippa what Jesus had said to him. And so he says, this, this is Jesus' words in Acts chapter 26, verse 17 and 18. He says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so that verse hit me like a ton of bricks that one morning. And I realized God is sending me to go. And so we said yes. And so called Russ and here we are. Yeah. So you came here not knowing where you're going to plant the church next, right? Other than the start, start up at night. Mm-hmm. But uh, you got here, started praying about it, yep. looking at why, why Sunnyland? Why do you guys, you know, you're in the process now? You're doing a preview services right now. Yep, yep. So we're doing preview services. We had one in June. We did one in July. We're doing one in August. Just kind of a practice, get some people to come, continue to build launch team kind of thing. And then we're, our launch is actually in September. September 13th is our launch Sunday. Okay. But yeah, why Sunnyland? Why Sunnyland? Yeah, um, good question. Uh, so we were, we knew that we were going to plant somewhere in the metropolitan area because of the 250,000. We just didn't know where. And so we were praying about it. And I was trying to figure out, is there a group of people that God is calling me to, like uh, people that I would just fall in love with? And that really wasn't happening. And then there was one day um, I was kind of like, well, maybe if I could just find a location, you know, like I find a building or something. Uh, then maybe that's where God wanted us. So I started looking research commercial property for sale or lease or whatever. And there was a piece of property up in Sunnyland Plaza that was for lease. And so I um, just kind of drove up and driving up from downtown uh, through East Peoria and then got into Sunnyland. And I had never been to Sunnyland before. This was last summer, so about a year ago. And uh, God just, I, I came into Sunnyland. I'm like, this is it. This is the place God calls us to. And and so we started doing a little bit of research, and if you do a two-mile radius from Sunnyland Plaza, you know where the Sunnyland Cinema is right there in Sunnyland? Two-mile radius, there's about 19,000 people in that area, and 13,000 of them are far from Christ. So about 66% of the population is, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, um, uh, so that was a big piece of that. And then my wife and I, we moved into Sunnyland in November, and as we've gotten there, we've just realized, like, yeah, this is where God has us. As we've gotten the kids, and it's... In, involved in school. We're, we're seeing the kingdom of darkness alive and well. We're seeing people who are struggling. People, you know, Sunnyland's a little bit of a more blue-collar kind of community, and people are struggling just to put food on the table. And there's a lot of hopelessness there. There's people that, that the family is kind of broken down. People are, you know, single moms that are really hurting. There's dads that are there but not really there, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's just lots and lots of hurting and brokenness. And and so we've been convinced that this is where God has called us to be, uh, to reach the people there. And so that's, yeah, yeah. a little bit about Sunnyland. Let me just say this as well. Um, our heart in Sunnyland is not to big, build a big church. I said in this first service, if we built a big church, like if we had 1,000 people coming in Sunnyland and not 
one of them was, if all of them were from other church experiences, I would tell you we failed. If all the people that started coming were from other churches, we failed because our heart is to go for people that are far from Christ, people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's success to us. And so that's a little bit about why yeah. it's Sunnyland. And, 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 and let me that. ask you this. The question, one of the questions that somebody might ask one time is this, uh, you know, Sunnyland, don't they already have good churches there? Yeah. And, uh, and so why, why another church? Yeah. yeah, they do have good churches in Sunnyland. Um, but, uh, but, but I think for me, church planning, for two reasons, church planning is biblical and it's effective and efficient. And so that's why we should continue to plant churches even when there's good churches there. So for example, it's biblical. Um, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 28, we are commanded by God to go and make disciples of all nations, right? And so we know that that's a command. We know that we're supposed to go, that we are sent ones that are supposed to go and talk to people about Jesus. Amen, right? Now, when you go, not come, when you go, right, and make disciples of all nations, and then you gather those people together, because we all know we're meant to do life together in the body of Christ, right? When you gather those people together, you know what you got? A church. So really, the, com- the great commandment in, in Matthew 28, or not the great commandment, but the great commission, I should say, in Matthew chap- chapter 28, is a church planning commission. It, God is saying, go and plant churches all across the place. So it's, one, it's biblical. And, and uh, one of my favorite authors, a guy named Phil Stevenson, reiterates this in his book, The Ripple Church. He says, we cannot be a biblical church and abstain from church planning. God never intended that the church should just be for us. His aim has always been to multiply the church, gathering more and more people to himself. And so you see it commanded in Scripture. Not only commanded, but you see it described. The book of Acts is basically a a, a testimony of church plant after church plant after church plant after church plant. That's what Paul's doing. He's going from city to city to city, planting church over and over and over again. So it's commanded. You see it described. uh, So it's a biblical thing. That's why I think you should plant churches, even in Sunnyland where there's already existing churches. And also, I think it's uh, the most efficient and effective thing that we can do to reach people far from Christ. The most efficient and effective thing we can do to reach people for Christ. Um, uh, Let me just say this. Statistically speaking, in the United States right now, the only churches that are really reaching people with the gospel are big mega churches, so churches over 1,000 people and brand new church plants. Statistically speaking, now there's outliers, obviously, Great Oaks being one of them, reaching people for Jesus. But typically speaking, generally speaking, you've got to be a megachurch or a brand new church to reach people for Jesus Christ in, in the United States right now. And the church plant is um, much more effective at doing that than the megachurch. In fact, uh, new churches have three or four times the number of people finding their way back to God per person as established churches. For example, that means an established church of 250 people, if they had 10 people find their way back to God, a new church of 250 people would have 30 or 40 people find their way back to God. And we've seen this actually at the Ignite Downtown Campus. Uh, like we mentioned, that, that campus is only 20 uh, months old. It's about 110 people. and We've had 30 or 40 people indicated a commitment or recommitment to Christ in the first 20 months. So like 40% of our church is people that were formerly unchurched people. Um, and so it's just much more effective than anything else we can do in the kingdom of God to, to reach people for Christ. And let me just, uh, I kind of mentioned this last service, but uh, the deal is this, I know this from the history, and those of you who've been here for a while, and some of those who raised your hands earlier have been here since I came, know this to be true, that in the early days, even mm-hmm. 13 years ago at Great Oaks, uh, we were, that, 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 those, those things, uh, those statistics um, are, are true. I can remember many, much more when we were 110, mm-hmm. 120, 200 people. The percentage of people that we were reaching for Christ, new people that were coming to Christ, was much higher percentage-wise yeah. than it is now. Yeah. And it's just kind of where it is. If you come older, more established, 
it's easier to fall into a trap of saying, hey, we've arrived. Mm-hmm. And we reach a lot more people that were church. Not we don't you know, push you away, mm-hmm. but our goal, once again, our heart at Great Oaks from day one has been to reach those who are unchurched, mm-hmm. far from Christ. Yeah. Because there's enough churches that will reach people that are already going to church. Yeah. And that's not our deal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, that's, that's part of the deal as well. Now, because of that, mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about here, and we're talking about the reason we're talking today, yeah, right. is because, say, Great Oaks wants to be a church planting church. Mm-hmm. One of the things, we didn't start day one with the DNA that Ignite Church started with, yeah. you know, that we're going to be a church planting church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were a church plant, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we understand the value of it. But what, what must take place uh, for a church, for Great Oaks to be a church that sends people out to plant churches? What does it take to be a church planting church? Yeah. So one of my favorite um, uh, church planting churches is the Church of Antioch, which you find in the book of Acts. It's, it's kind of the quintessential church planting church. And there's some, some characteristics you see in the Church of Antioch that I think are just fascinating that make it such a great church planting church. And you see it become a church planting church in Acts chapter 13. Um, in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod, of, uh, Herod lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. That's the church planning commission right there in verse 3. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And so you see in Acts chapter 13, Antioch become this this quintessential church planning church. Paul, on his missionary journeys, leaves um, from Antioch over and over and over again. And when he's done on his missionary journeys, he comes back to Antioch and reports what God is doing. And so Antioch becomes the hub for really the greatest church planning movement in the history of the church. But there's some DNA, there's some things, some characteristics that happen in the Antioch church that happen in their founding, which you see in Acts chapter 11. So a couple things, uh, quick hitters, some things in Acts chapter 11 that I think are huge to be a really come out church planning church. First and foremost, um, they were full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And you see this in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. Um, one of the great founding people, one of the guys that was a big part of that church was a guy named Barnabas. And in Acts chapter 11, 24, it says he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And here's the thing about church planning. Um, it takes a ton of faith. You've got to trust God to to do what we're doing. Um, trying to do it on your own strength will fail every time. And, and so really you've got to be about trusting God. I can tell you in, you know, in the year that we've been kind of working through this a little bit, there's been numerous times where, where I've just wanted to quit. Where I've been like, dude, this is just way too hard. But then you kind of go back to, well, God called me to this. God said go, and, and, I'm, and so you kind of come back to this. So it's an issue of faith. Um, if, if I can share this really quick story. Um, so th- this fall was pretty hard for us, my, personally, as a family. Uh, my, my dad passed away in October, and so that was a little bit hard. And so there's a moment in there you wanted to quit. Um, but it's about trusting God that he's going to do something amazing. And let me just share this. Um, I didn't share this first service, but I'll share this here if that's okay. Um, so we had a, we have like an adoptive daughter that kind of lived with us for a time being. She's from Chicago. She came last summer and visited with us, and we're pretty sure when she came that she brought us bed bugs. So our house got affected with bed bugs. And bed bugs, if you know anything about bed bugs, are really hard to get rid of. And so we ended up, um, I mean, it was like nightmarish that we had to deal with these things, uh, living out of like Tupperware for like months and then. Anyway, my wife is okay. I asked permission to share this because it's a little bit icky for her a little bit still. But 
Here's the crazy thing. So we get bed bugs. We hire an exterminator to come and deal with the bed bugs. He comes over. He's not, it's not even on his route. And he comes over and he starts dealing with our bed bugs. He's over a couple times. Like he come, they have to come several times to deal with it. Well, he, this thing is, sorry. Anyway, he comes over and uh, turns out he had, we told him we were moving to Sunnyland. And he's like, you're moving to Sunnyland? He's like, I live in Sunnyland. And we're like, really? And he's like, yeah, I, I'm not even supposed to be doing this house. And he gets chills up and down his spine, and he's like, there's a reason that this is happening. We've been looking for a church in Sunnyland. He's not part of our launch team. His whole family. Kids are getting saved. They're serving diligently. And, and it's one of those moments, like, in the midst of it, you're like, God, what are you doing? Why are we dealing with these bugs? Like, we've got this mission that, God, you're calling us for. And my mother-in-law reminded us last week, yeah, God gave us sunny, uh, God allowed bed bugs so that we could reach this family for Christ. And so it's about trusting him, even in the midst of really hard, difficult things. And it was, I tell you, it was hard and difficult. But God moved and worked. So full of, uh, sorry, uh, full of Holy Spirit and faith. Second one, you've got to have a missional passion. If, if you're not bleeding for people that are far from Christ, you're never going to be a church planting church. You've got you to gotta desire that so much. It's amazing to me that the, the Antioch church, in their founding, you see this thing that happens, right? We're talking about hard things. Bed bugs are nothing compared to what that early church group had to deal with. You see that there was, in, uh, at the beginning, it, um, it says in verse 19, now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, right? So people are getting killed. They're getting murdered for their faith in Jesus Christ. They're scattered. And you would think that, you know, you and me, uh, maybe not you, maybe me, for sure, like if I'm going to get killed, I'm going to go, I'm not doing that again. There's no way I'm going to be talking to people about Jesus. But they get scattered because of the persecution. And then they start talking to other people about Jesus. They start talking to the Greeks about Jesus. So persecution's happening. And they've got such a missional passion, a fervor for Christ, that they start talking to other people about Jesus as well. You know, And so you see them in this founding of this church, this real passion for talking to people about Jesus no matter the cost. No matter what it's going to cost them personally because they love Jesus that much and love people who are far from God that much. So they're a missional passion. Three, um, they're full of ordinary folks. Uh, the God, I, I love, this is actually one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. In verse 20, it says, um, so this is who's the founding them, right? It says, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling about them the, the good news about the Lord Jesus. I love what it says about these guys that founded the church. It just says that some of them, men from Cyprus. Like, these guys are so extraordinary, they're not even named in scripture. Like, they have no names. They're just some dudes that start this church, right? And one of the things you see in church planning is it's not superheroes who plant churches. It's ordinary folks like you and me obeying God and doing extraordinary things for him. You know, in our, uh, part of our vision at Ignite is uh, our, uh, our key verse is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And we just love seeing God do, take ordinary situations and do extraordinary things. Uh, I'll share this really quick too. We had a situation at the downtown campus. One of the guys um, on our launch team, so one of the guys making the church happen is agnostic. He, his family loves Jesus. Uh, his kids love Jesus, right? His wife loves Jesus. He likes the moral teachings of Jesus, but the whole miraculous kind of thing he struggles with. God can use anything for his purposes. And so this guy... Loves the church, comes every single week, um, you know, like uh, serves on our setup teams, like just a great guy that way. Um, but it was just crazy. So 
one of our first services, he invites his childhood friend to church and his wife, and that guy's wife. At her first service, it was our sixth service ever as a church, she gives her life radically to Christ. Now, God starts messing with her a ton, like changing all over the place. There's lots of stuff that's happening in her life. And, and the husband is seeing this, and a lot of his, his phrase often is, this stuff is for real. Like he's seeing the Holy Spirit just get a hold of his, life, his wife's life in such a way that, that he can't believe what Jesus is doing. And so like a year later, he gives his life to Christ in a radical way. But he's so excited, he goes back to his friend, the agnostic, who invited him to church in the first place and is sharing the gospel with him, right? Now, the crazy thing about that, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, is if you would have told me that the agnostic would be one of our best evangelists in the church, I would have laughed at you, <laughs> right? But that's what God does. He t- does, or- does extraordinary things through ordinary people. And that guy, he still hasn't gotten saved yet. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. We just know it. So um, that's a little bit of, uh, so uh, it's full of ordinary folks doing extraordinary things. Finally, um, or two more. Uh, One, the fourth one, they're generous. Church planting churches are incredibly generous. And they're generous with their finances and they're generous with their people. In, In the book of Acts, in chapter 11, you see that there was a famine that was occurring in Jerusalem. And this church in Antioch, they get together and say, there's a famine, we've got to do something about that. They pool their resources together and send money away to help people who are hurting and who are broken and who need some help. But they're not just generous with their finances, they're also generous with their people. In Acts chapter 13, when they send people away, right, they're sending away Paul and Barnabas. These are like some of their best leaders in the church. These are, these are people who are leading the church and they're sending them away. And so this, being a church planning church also means you've got to send people away who you love and you adore and you think, you know what, we're not going to function without them. It'd be like, and I, I said this first service, I'm not being prophetic, it'd be like sending Nate away, right, as you're one of your worship pastors or even sending Bill away to plant another church. I'm not saying that that's going to happen either, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're sending people away who you value, who you think have, a, have what it takes, and so you've got to be willing to be generous with that. The, the church in Wisconsin was like that for us. There was a moment where we were at a church planning conference, me and Larry, who was my lead pastor, and they were talking about church planning, and there was just a moment where they were talking about church planning where he just took his hand and he put it on my shoulder, and it was a sense of, I'm releasing you. Go. Make a difference in the world. And so, there, so you also got to be generous with your finances and your people, and finally you've got to have a passion for prayer. Because the reality is church planning doesn't help happen in human endeavors. It is all the work and act of God. It's, it's getting on your knees day in and day out and praying for God to show up. I can tell you, I prayed before as a church planner. I've prayed a ton more since I've been a church planner just because you are so desperate for God. I mean, we have a service and you have no idea if anybody's going to show up, right? Like you've worked, you've done some stuff, but it's all about the hand of God. God, will you draw people here? And so you also also have a passion for prayer. So those are the kind of the five things, is the the characteristics that you need to have to be a church planning church uh, to really make an impact and a difference in the kingdom that way. Okay. Uh, Appreciate Paul sharing these things, but I want to share a challenge to us as a church and how this applies to us uh, as we close. Um, What can I say to you guys and what I think Paul would say the same thing? He actually wrote the question, so (laughs) he's kind of using his notes here. But... uh, you know, if you want to be a part of a church, you know, I, we're, we're a church that I believe is generous. We're a church that wants to, believes in helping people take their next step. We just need to expand our reach a little bit. And we're a church that actually uh, is, is generous enough that we let people in their homes for months uh, uh, to, to, to get, build relationships with them. 
We, uh, we send money overseas to do things. We do stuff regionally. We do, do all those kind of things. We have people in our church who are doing tremendous ministries, uh, not only in the church, but in the, in, the, in the region here, in different things, all kind of things that were actually established, nothing to do with the church. But how, what can we do? Well, one of the things I think it's important for us to understand is this, is that um, I believe that God has called some of you to be church planners. I really believe that. I, I know there's a couple of people in the church that have talked to me over the last couple of years as we've mentioned this, that you might have this passion for reaching people, some group somewhere. It might be somewhere in another town's close by. It might be somewhere else. But you need to begin to pray about God opening your heart to that as well. And so we want to, you know, let us know. Uh, talk to us about it. And, uh, and, you know, if you want to talk to a church planter, here's one right here. He's going to be out in the lobby following the service today, talking with him about that as well. Uh, I think we need to be generous with our finances and, and with our people. Uh, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the, the, you, you guys do great with giving. You really do. You know, we, we're not one of those churches that struggle financially, and we've done great with finances over the years, and we're getting ready to do even greater <laughs> because a year from now, about September of this time next year, uh, September of next year, we'll free up, we'll be debt-free as a church. You can clap for that if you want to, okay? And I don't know if you understand what that means. Most of you don't, you know, don't know. But that means about 20 to 25 percent of our regular giving is going to be freed up. Approximately 200,000. I was going to broad figures. 200,000 dollars that we're currently giving out of our debt per year is going to be freed up. And the question is, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to spend it on ourselves? I mean, yeah, there's some things around here we could do, uh, you know, microphones that don't work as well, you know, uh, you know uh, things like that, fixing up the youth room, doing some things like that. But folks, I really believe that God wants us to take a large portion of that and, and spend it in, in, in helping others to know Christ, planting churches regionally and across the world. And so this time next year, we'll have all those resources. We don't have to wait till then to do that, but that's going to give us some great resources then as well. So, and then also, I believe, like I said, I believe there's people in the church, people that might even be in leadership. And I know other pastors and stuff, uh, sometimes just uh, uh, when we talk about this, they're like, I don't want to give up that volunteer. Folks, <laughs> this is about the kingdom. It's not about our kingdom here at Great Oaks. So we need to understand that. Uh, if you wanted some practical hands-on practice with this, I mean, this guy's getting ready. He, they're in the launch stage of a brand new church, okay? They've already had a couple of preview services. They're going to have another preview service here uh, next month, when? Two weeks, two weeks from now. Uh, and, and they're going to be launching a church. If you want to know more about that, I would encourage you to go check them out. I'm not trying to run you away from Great Oaks, but I, we believe this is a kingdom thing. And then finally... Um, if you're really serious about this and want to learn more about it, uh, we don't have a process right now at Great Oaks to help you to learn how to be a church planter. But I'm, we're partnering with, with this group, and with this church and with this group, and some other, uh, peop, other FEC churches are partnering as well, th that we can plant churches, not only help, help ignite plant churches, but we can do this together regionally uh, in sunny land and multitudes of places. That's the vision I think that God has given us, and, and, and I'm not the only pastor in this region that believes that, that, that we understand that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of churches, but there's a lot more people that don't know Christ, and we're losing ground. Mm -hmm. We're losing ground, and if we don't take this seriously, we'll keep going more and more in the wrong direction. We can plant a lot of churches and still not reach everybody. That's what God wants us to do. So, I simply said to you that uh, God, has, God has planted this, this in, our, in my heart as well, 
And I, and I want us to see not plant just a church, but I want us to see plant. Uh, one of my favorite uh, guys that I've, I've been talking with the last couple of years is a guy named Jeff Surratt. He's head of a large group called Exponential, and, which is a big church planting umbrella. He's actually going to be in town. Our FEC convention is going to be here this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Jeff's going to be one of the speakers there. And I'm excited about hearing him. But I got to speak to him and hear him. And, and he wrote a little book called Measuring the Orchard. And it's about this whole thing of, of, and I gave it to all our leadership team people. And the thing is about this, you know, we can plant a, a tree or we can plant an orchard of trees. Which is going to be the most effective in, in producing fruit? A single tree or a bunch of trees? And I think we know the answer to that. And so the thing is, God has called us to a vision bigger than just great oaks. Yeah, folks, it's great what we're doing here. Keep doing it. But let's expand our vision to what God wants us to do regionally and beyond the world. Uh, Stephanie, come on up. I'd like to pray over these guys before we close. We'll have a word of prayer and, and then uh, sing a closing song. And I'm going to invite them to come out in the lobby with me following the service. If you'd like to talk to one of them about what's going on there and about maybe you have some interest in church planting or understand what's, what's involved in being, going through the process, uh, they can answer that a lot better than I can. Uh, if you'd like to talk to, to myself or one of the other staff particularly, you can talk to me, talk to me about it, about church planting, being a church planter. We'd love to get you in a track for that as well because I believe that God has some people here that have a heart for that as well. So let's just, let's just pray right now. God, I turn to you right now this morning, and I would just pray for Paul and Stephanie that you would just be with them as they're going through this process right now of, of trusting in you with their whole hearts, God, of seeking you each day and, and going to this, uh, this scary adventure called uh, uh, church planting, uh, not knowing exactly where it's going to lead. God, when I came here uh, 13 years ago, uh, yeah, I didn't start off with, I started off with about 100 folks here in this community, 120 folks maybe, and already had, a, already had a, uh, some land and stuff like that, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, it, and I know how, how scary that was. And, and I know God in a sense that it, we should have faith and it wasn't a, a grand master plan. It was just like trusting you day to day, uh, following your lead, God, allowing you to work in, our, in us. And you've brought, uh, God, over the years, some amazing people to, here to this church who have served you, God, and so many people who have come to Christ here. We pray, God, that you would just allow uh, uh, Ignite Church in Sunnyland to, to have the... Uh, the stamina and the, and the, and the passion, and, and you'd give uh, Paul the the uh, the ability to lead that church, and along with his launch team to partner together to lead that church to reach the people of Sunnyland and beyond. And God, this will just be the first of many plants, many church plants across this region that'll reach so many unchurched people that are here. God, we can't reach all all the world ourselves, but we can reach our part of the world, God, because you've called us to do so, and you empower us to do so as well. So God, it's right now, God, this day, that we would just honor you by having a vision beyond ourselves. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.